Tuesday, November 12th here in Draft Shark Studios in, in snowy Rochester, New York. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, is Jared Smola. And we've got significant injuries to update today. We've got backfields to sort through, as usual. We've got one of the season's most surprising games to figure out. And we've got streaming defenses like we usually do on this podcast, not just for this week, but for the week beyond. We'll get to all of that in today's show. If you're a DS Insider, you already got our Sunday night email with the biggest injury situations from Sunday's games, plus early waiver targets. Of course, you can head to DraftSharks.com right now, read our full free agent focus articles for both offense and for the IDPs. I just updated the IDP one, added a couple of players to that right before we started recording this. Come Wednesday, we will have our final buy-sell-hold report of the season live on DraftSharks.com. That's, of course, where we suggest guys that we think are buy-low, sell-high candidates, or guys that you should just hang on to because they don't really fit either of those categories, and we don't. We want to make sure that you're not making too rash a decision where you might make a mistake on that guy, right, Jared? That's correct, and I think at this point in the season, I mean, schedule just means so much. I mean, with only a few games left in fantasy regular seasons, and of course the playoffs. I think when you're making trades, you really need to be looking at you know spots where you're you're gonna want to use guys, and, and where guys you're acquiring could be real difference makers. Absolutely, and be sure to check that out if you're a DS insider. If you're not an insider, you can still check Shark Bites on DraftSharks.com. Find out injury updates for some of the guys we're talking about today, and yeah. We'll talk about schedules, especially when we get to defenses at the end of this one, but also about some of the players along the way. Let's start with the injuries. And last night's game between the Seahawks and Niners was a tough one injury-wise. Tyler Lockett, we didn't, I, I didn't even – I wasn't aware of his injury during the game. I'm not sure exactly when it happened, but he suffered what the team was calling a bad leg contusion that landed him in the hospital afterward. It sounded initially like Pete Carroll's trying to downplay it a little bit, mm-hmm. which – Pete Carroll tends to be on the optimistic side of things, but what's the latest that we've heard about this? Right. I mean, for, for Pete Carroll, he, he sounded pretty concerned actually. Um, and he, he mentioned in passing something like compartment syndrome. And I, I looked that up and I knew it sounded familiar. And it's because mm-hmm. Hakeem Nix had that back in 2010, that cost him two games. Um, Jason Taylor had the same issue and he missed three games with his compartment syndrome. Um, so, you know, I, I Lockett has the week 11 by here, which obviously helps, but I don't think he should be considered a lock to be ready for that week 12 game against the Eagles. Yeah, I would head into this week making sure that you have insurance that you can get by for at least week 12 without Tyler Lockett, and we'll see beyond that. Uh, we did see some Josh Gordon last night. I would assume that we'll get even more of Josh Gordon if Tyler Lockett sets. Yeah, finished third among Seahawks wide receivers in routes, you know, only behind DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. So that that's pretty encouraging for a guy who, you know, was making his debut, joined the team just a couple of weeks ago, made a couple of clutch catches late in that game. So, you know, that's not gonna help his that's not gonna hurt his playing time going forward. Um, you know, if Lockett's out in that game against the Eagles in week twelve, I, I think Gordon's gonna be a fantasy option. You know, maybe uh, maybe the guy's going to come with some risk, but you know, also plenty of upside in that matchup. And I mean, for folks who have been struggling at tight end, Jacob Hollister also yeah. saw 10 targets against the 49ers, caught eight of them, 62 yards and a touchdown. That, of course, followed a two-touchdown game against the Bucks. He's now seen six-plus targets in, in three of his four games. So if Tyler Lockett's out, I mean, that could help Jacob Hollister be more of an option for us at tight end. All right. I mean, we've seen 
Will Disley be, you know, a fantasy asset with Russell Wilson? So I think Hollister can can definitely do the same. Um, you know, th- those two matchups after the bye week, Philly and then Minnesota, are negative matchups for tight ends, which hurts a bit. But again, you, know, you can't be too picky if we got a lead tight end with Russell Wilson, especially if Lockett's out. I think I think uh, Hollister will be an option. Yeah, and if Hollister's going eight for sixty-two and a touchdown against the Niners, then I ain't too scared of uh, Philly and Minnesota. True. Emmanuel Sanders on the other side of that matchup left with a rib injury. Uh, he did not come back to the game. It was initially called questionable, but he did not return. To me, Jimmy Garoppolo looked like he just crumbled without Emmanuel Sanders in the game. Yep, and the numbers agree with you. Garoppolo was 10 for 15 for 115 yards and a score when Sanders exited that game last night early in the second quarter. The rest of the way, Garoppolo went 14 of 31 for 133 yards and an interception. The interception was just, you know, clanged off Kendrick Bourne's hands. Bourne had a horrible game, didn't help Garoppolo at all. But yeah, if, you know, if, if Sanders is out and it seems like, you know, there's a chance he misses more time, George Kittle still iffy, um, obviously hurts Garoppolo's outlook going forward. Yeah. So Bourne won on volume last night, eight targets, four catches, but I'm sure not picking him up this week, even if Emmanuel Sanders remains out. Debo Samuel, meanwhile, should not be on waiver wires, basically in any league of 12 teams or more, at least. Right, especially with the matchup against the Cardinals coming up this week. Um, you know, even if Sanders plays, I think Debo is an option. And, and if Sanders is out, I think, you know, Debo becomes someone who, who should be in fantasy lineups as like a wide receiver three with upside. I agree. Matt Breida, ankle injury. What else is new? It's another week of football. It happens. We'll have to watch him this week to see how serious. Yeah, the, the guy, it seems like he gets banged up every single game. H- hasn't missed a game yet this season, um, so we'll see. But I think at, at this point of the year, you know, we talk about the handcuffs sh- that should be rostered. Raheem Mostert is definitely one of those guys. And you know, I, I think if Breda is out this week against the Cardinals, Mostert will be a fantasy starter. Yeah, and of course he has more, I think Mostert has more appeal than the usual handcuff because you can view him as a handcuff to both Breda and Tevin Coleman, where they're probably going to be two running backs in pretty much any San Francisco game that are getting meaningful touches and have the potential to score you some fantasy points. Right. In those two games, Tevin Coleman missed earlier this season. Mostert had 13 carries and three catches in the first game, and he had 12 carries in the second. So I think you know that that's about the type of volume you'll be getting from him if Breda's out this week. And for what it's worth, Tevin Coleman has been kind of sucky since that Carolina game. Yeah, he has been. Devontae Freeman elsewhere suffered a foot sprain in that surprising win over the Saints. Ito Smith was already on IR, so that meant Brian Hill stepped in for 20 carries and a receiving touchdown against the Saints at Carolina next. Obviously, Brian Hill is among the top pickups on waiver wires this week. How much do you like him going forward? I think he's clearly the top pickup on waiver wires. Um, I think unless you're you know strong at running back, you should probably be spending the rest of your your waiver wire budget on Brian Hill. I, I think, you know, it sounds like Devontae Freeman is out, obviously, this week for sure, maybe beyond that. And then for Hill, you know, this matchup against Carolina, Panthers dead last in football outsiders run D, dead last in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs, giving up 5.1 yards per carry to running backs on the season. So I, I think Hill slides right in as a pretty nice running back too this week. Yeah, I agree with him being a nice running back too. Uh, a nice matchup, a, a good situation, should be a good situation for volume. It is an offense that has struggled to run the ball for most of the season, but if it's him and then Kenyon Barner or Kadri Allison, then there should be plenty of touches to support Hill's value this week. 
Um, doesn't belong on any waiver wires going forward. And I agree with spending up unless you're just in great shape and you barely have money left or whatever. Right. Uh, Hill got all 18 running back opportunities in that game last week after Devontae Freeman exited. After that Carolina game, they have the Bucks, which is negative for rushing, then the Saints again, then another one with the Panthers. So it's it's not a great stretch for rushing. And again, we'll see how long Devontae Freeman's out. Yeah, again, you know, after, I guess outside of those Carolina matchups, I think Hill will be more of a running back three mm-hmm. just based on volume. But, um, you know, even that is, is, is worth something, especially this late in the season. There, there's no point in hanging on to those waiver wire bucks much longer at this point. Mm-hmm. Ty Johnson suffered a concussion. Remember Ty Johnson? Vaguely, yeah. He left that game early. J.D. McKissick finished RB19 in PPR in wake. 10 carries for 36 <laughs> yards, 6 catches for 19 receiving yards on 7 targets. So it's totally a volume thing and obviously a fairly low-scoring week, really, across positions other than like maybe the top of wide receiver. So McKissick is necessarily in the starter conversation for week 11 if Ty Johnson remains out and generally it seems like guys miss a game following a concussion at this point unless it's a long week I wouldn't go crazy trying to get JD McKissick this week though no I mean Brian Hill should definitely be your priority among these two but you know McKissick really should probably be owned in pretty much all PPR leagues at this point and and is worth grabbing a non-PPR if you're hurting at running back I I wouldn't expect more than like the 10 or so carries that he got last week just you know that's not the type of player he is but he is going to continue to dominate the passing down work um, and, and he gets the Cowboys this week and, and Dallas is bottom five in, bo- in both catches and receiving yards allowed to running back. So it sets up as a pretty nice matchup for McKissick. Yeah. Just don't, don't assume too much here as we've learned from Detroit running backs already this year, they've not done well with backfield stuff, but if target volume is helps you here, then um, you know, yeah, absolutely. Go ahead and get McKissick. Austin Hooper suffered an MCL sprain in that win over the Saints. Looks like he's, I, I guess we'll see. It's too early to say, but I would bet on him missing a game. MCL sprains tend to cost uh, players some time. Yeah, I would bet on at least one game and, and potentially a few. Um, so you know, start lining up your backup options here. I don't think there's anyone worth grabbing on Atlanta. It's going to be some combination of Luke Stocker and Jaden Graham. So I, I'd stay away from that. Russell Gage is the guy who, at this point, it's like, you know, we know this is a pass-heavy Falcons offense, and with Devontae Freeman out and Austin Hooper out, Russell Gage, who's been, you know, the clear number three wideout in Atlanta now, I think he's someone to maybe consider in deeper leagues, or at least DFS, I guess. Yeah, so if you do need a fill-in tight end, obviously Jacob Hollister's not an option for Week 11. You know, both Houston guys are out there. What's the deal on David Njoku? Have we heard at all when he, he might be back? Uh, I'm trying to think when when he went out. It was it week two or three? So he should be eligible coming up here. But I haven't heard anything about him returning to practice here or anything. Okay, so I think both Minnesota guys are in play. That's probably that's probably where you're looking is the Houston guys and the Minnesota guys. Obviously not blowing anybody away, but at least decent enough candidates for targets that they could help you out. Yep, I like those guys. Um, I throw Dawson Knox out as an option this week too. He he sort of. Mm-hmm. stepped back ahead of Tyler Croft as the clear lead tight end in Buffalo, and, and they get the Dolphins this week. And that's where we're at <laughs> tight end right now. Dawson Knox, yeah. who might be the top tight end for the Bills, is a, is, is a guy worth talking about and considering. Benjamin Watson, another one worth thinking about for the Patriots. He's seen five targets in two of his three games. 
Yes, I think Watson is someone who's a good stash. Don't love him this week in that Eagles yeah. matchup. Right. Don't love him for that one either. But, uh, you know, again, somebody with Tom Brady and when you're scrambling to the point where you're like, Dawson Knox looks pretty good, then, <laughs> you know, Benjamin Watson's at least worth considering. Right. Brandon Cooks still has his concussion, has already been ruled out for week 11. We'll see what it means beyond that. For this week, it means Josh Reynolds is again an option. He is, yeah. Reynolds, you know, basically did what we expected him to do. Played ninety five percent of the Rams' offensive snaps last week. Saw five targets. I mean, no, no one in the passing game did anything outside of Robert Woods. Um, I do think that the Rams should bounce back at least a bit back at home this Sunday. So Reynolds in the wide receiver three, wide receiver four mix. Um, Brandon Cooks. It seems like he's trying to get back on the field this season. He did put in a limited practice last Friday. Um, you know, the fact that he was ruled out for this week on Monday tells me he's he's you know nowhere close to being cleared but it does seem like there's at least a chance he's back at some point this season so probably worth hanging on to if you can afford the roster spot yeah i agree if you're uh, unless you have a particularly short bench i would hang on to him i did hear from a friend over the weekend who saw a league mate drop brandon cooks and certainly i think brandon cooks is among the best stashes that you're likely to find available, you know, for a guy who might not play, but if he does play, could be a fantasy starter the rest of the way. Obviously, situations are going to differ quite a bit by league there. Yes. Matthew Stafford did not play in Sunday's loss to the Bears. We'll see if he can make it back for Week 11. It sounded like from Adam Schefter's report during the Monday night game that we we should probably not expect Matthew Stafford to play against Dallas this Sunday. Uh, what Schefter said was it could be one week for him. I don't know if that means the week he already missed or three weeks. So basically we're going to have to watch Stafford this week and we should probably assume that we're going to get at least one more game of Jeff Driscoll. Yeah, I think that's that's a smart way to play this for now. You know, start lining up your backup options. Dr. Chow expects Stafford back by Thanksgiving at the latest. That's week 13. So th- that would mean two more with, uh, missed games. So I think, you know, that's sort of the worst case scenario at this point, Just looking at Stafford's schedule beyond that, he gets the Bears on Thanksgiving, you know, not not a great spot. And he goes at Minnesota, another tough spot. Home for Tampa the week after that, so he'll definitely be usable there. But then it's at Denver in week 16, so the schedule is pretty rough. I guess Stafford, I, I'd say he's not a must-hold if you're in a shallower league and you have another solid quarterback. Yeah, I agree. And these back fractures in quarterbacks can, can be a little tricky. I mean, we've seen guys... Derek Carr comes to mind. I'm pretty sure Tony Romo came back after he missed a game. When you hear that a guy has a fracture in his back, it's like, oh, crap, he's probably done for the season. But those guys returned fairly quickly. Then last year we had Carson Wentz, who missed the final several games of the regular season with an injury along those lines. So, you know, again, if you do have Stafford in your plans, if you are in a league that's like so barren on the waiver wire that you have to hang on to him and you're and you're scraping by then we'll be watching the rest of the way to see what happens. Yeah, and it, it's the transverse process fracture in the back for Stafford. You know, not not to have to go, I'm a doctor here, but you know, it's not it's not like his spine is cracked. It's you know, like the the bones outside of the spine. Away from the injuries now, and to the guys who did play on Sunday and delivered, Daniel Jones and Darius Slayton were definitely a couple of those guys. Four touchdown passes for Daniel Jones, two to Darius Slayton, two to Golden Tate. I mean, Darius Slayton, we've seen the talent. We've seen that Daniel Jones likes him to some degree. Uh, he's inconsistent, but I mean, if, whenever he's getting 14 targets, he's going to be a solid bet. I don't think we're going to keep getting that, but Darius Slayton's at least worth keeping on the radar going forward. It seems like Daniel Jones just has eyes for this guy. Like even the, the, the first game Daniel Jones played, uh, you could just see him sort of you know, taking those deep shots of Slayton. So I think there's just some 
rapport there, maybe, you know, dating back to training camp when they were playing together on the second team. So yeah, Slayton definitely worth owning. After the bye, it, it goes Bears and then Packers. So, you know, two tougher matchups there, but then Eagles, Dolphins, Redskins, and then Eagles again in week 17, if you play it, that's a, that's a pretty nice stretch. I think Slayton's going to be usable there. I think uh, Daniel Jones could be usable there too. Yeah. And we'll see what's up with Sterling Shepard at that point. We'll see if Evan Ingram is back and all good. Obviously, if those two guys are still out, then it, it gets even better for Darius Slayton. He might be in play even in weeks 12 and 13 before the, the more positive matchups. I would not plan on playing Daniel Jones at Chicago or home for Green Bay, most likely. He's already showed us that he's capable of delivering in good spots, capable of being terrible <laughs> in bad spots. So, yeah, I think. We'll see where he's at when we get to that game at Philly and then probably be able to use Daniel Jones, at least against Miami. Washington could be a tricky matchup once we get to that one. Yeah, it could be. I mean, yeah, like you said, Jones has shown that upside. He has three top three finishes already among his eight starts. I, I didn't I didn't look. There, there can't be many other quarterbacks with three top three weeks this season. So, he, you know, he's flashed difference making upside. We, we've seen the floor, too. You know, he has a bunch of finishes outside the top 20, but I, I think those Eagles um, games and that Dolphins game are definitely spots where, you know, he, he's going to have upside and probably be in the top 12 in our rankings. Keep Daniel Jones in mind as an option. Don't hang on to him now thinking that you have your answer beyond the week 11 by. Right. Saquon Barkley. Meanwhile, he had what 13 carries for one yard against the jets or whatever the exact numbers there were. Is he a buy low right now, or is it time to try to sell him off? to get something that will actually help you for the stretch run before he loses name value. I think he's a hold for me and you know, not to, not to uh, straddle the fence there, but I think the bye week here is going to help, you know, Pat Shermer said Barkley was quote banged up in that game against the Jets. You know, he obviously had the serious ankle injuries coming off of. So I, I don't think he's a hundred percent. Another takeaway here that Jets Rundy is, is good. It's been good all season. And I'm not really sure how, because the personnel isn't great. But, you know, they've been tough against the run all season. So that, that's something to keep in mind going forward. But I think Saquon, not, not someone I'd be looking to buy right now. But but I think, you know, if you're selling him, you're, you're probably not going to get a good return. So, you know, probably a hold and hope he comes off the buy healthier. I agree. And especially if you're playing in PPR, I mean, he did have eight, six, and five catches the past three games. So even if the rushing remains terrible, he's probably going to be a top three to four target on that team going forward and do fine on PPR numbers, even if he lets you down overall. Yep. Mitchell Trubisky threw three touchdown passes in Sunday's victory. And to me, the only takeaway from that is that you should target the Lions pass defense. Yes. Um, the Lions have allowed four straight top 11 quarterback finishes now. Dak Prescott coming to town this week. So, you know, big upside there. Uh, and so beyond the Dallas game, they're at Washington, home for Chicago, uh, at Minnesota, home for Tampa, at Denver. So, you know, I, I'm still not using Mitchell Trubisky in the next matchup, yeah. but that and the Denver game, well, I guess the Washington game too. So I guess half yeah, right. of their remaining games before week 17 are spots where we can use quarterbacks against Detroit. Yeah, I was going to say, unfortunately, there, there's some quarterbacks we still can't use there, but yeah, um, Kirk Cousins and, and Jameis Winston get a shot at, at the Lions still. That said, it's not hard to envision a situation where Trubisky might make sense for you <laughs> in week, what's that going to be, 13? Yeah, I'd, I'd have trouble trusting it, May, maybe in DFS. Yeah, I would have trouble trusting it too, but I, you know, it d- depends on, on what you're staring at. So we'll get more into that when we get closer to it. Meanwhile, the Saints, I was talking to somebody on Saturday who was 
pleased that he had made it farther in this big survivor pool tournament <laughs> than he ever had previously. And he had the saints heading into this matchup with Atlanta. And we both agreed that it seemed pretty safe and it did not. I have not talked to him since, but I can't imagine <laughs> that he's been happy about it because the saints let him down, got killed by the Falcons. I, I mean, was it a bad enough outing that we need to worry about new Orleans? Yeah, between the Saints losing and the Dolphins beating the Colts, I think a lot of people got knocked out of Survivor Pools last week. I, I don't think I'm going to take much away from this game. I think it's just, you know, it's the NFL. It's a division game. You know, the Saints were coming off a of bye. Sometimes we see teams lay eggs coming off of bye weeks. The Saints move the ball. I mean, Drew Brees completed 71% of his passes here. Saints reached the red zone three times but came away from those three trips with only three field goals. That, that was sort of the, the difference in the game. Um, the, the Falcons got pressure on Breeze surprisingly you know Atlanta entered this game with five total sacks they sacked Breeze six times so you know that that was a major surprise we'll see I mean you know the the Saints go on the road this week now but it's versus Tampa Bay so it's definitely a nice bounce back spot for now I'm not I'm not worried about these guys yes the Bucks have some potential pressure guys but the Saints have not been giving up a whole lot of pressure. Atlanta has not been uh, delivering a whole lot of pressure. That might be the most surprising aspect of this because other stuff can just, you know, happen. But yeah, I, I agree. It's one game. It went wacky compared with what anybody would have predicted going in. It was the Falcons coming off a of bye. They did make some, some like, odd coaching changes during the bye they I don't think they fired anybody but they like shifted guys around their staff that included moving Raheem Morris for example from like offensive consultant to DB's coach and you know maybe that stuff means that their defense is going to be a little bit better going forward but for me it's going to be a game where I say wow that happened let's see if it means anything going forward but I'm going to head into week 11 assuming that the Saints are able to move the ball and score some points on offense and assuming that the Falcons remain not very good on defense yes I'll be I'll be doing the same the Bengals had their debut with Ryan Finley didn't go great for him but the quarterback aside because I don't really care about him I and Tyler Boyd is like the only thing worth kind of a paying attention to in that area Joe Mixon though carried 30 times in a game where his team got blowed up. He had three targets, two catches, 37 yards. So that doesn't seem to change, but he even ran more routes than usual, ran a route on 41.7% of Cincinnati's dropbacks that matched Mixon's season high. It was a season low playing time for Gio Bernard. He left for a bit with a knee injury, came back. So I, I don't know how much of a factor Gio Bernard sitting out for a while was. I don't know if it was a plan to get mixing the ball more, but when he carries 30 times in that game, it sure looks like a plan. It's just hilarious that the Bengals fall behind by like three or four scores. And then they just start pounding Joe Mixon just to like keep the clock running and get out of there. Like I, I, I saw that final stat line for Mixon and I was, I was, I was laughing. So I, I still, I mean, it's nice to see. And Mixon did, I think he carried 17 times in that game against the Rams before the bye week. So his usage is seems to be on the rise. Um, and it makes sense with a rookie quarterback under center now there. So I, I think Mixon, you know, he's he's back in, I guess, safer starter range. Still not a guy I'm excited about in this offense. And then we'll, we'll see about Gio Bernard. Like you said, he came back to the game. He was originally ruled out, and then they upgraded him to doubtful, and then he ended up coming back into the game. So I, I don't know what to make of his knee injury. That would definitely help Mixon, though, if Bernard's out, because Bernard has sort of been annoying with the amount of you know, passing down snaps he's played this season. I could just imagine a bunch of Bengals decision makers standing around Geo scratching their heads like, oh, I don't think he can put. Well, 
I don't know. It's, I don't think he can. Well, yeah, he's walking. All right, he can play football. All right, go ahead, Gio. <laughs> yeah, sounds right. I do think that at least as a mix and owner, you probably headed into the bye thinking, crap, I, I can't even use this guy going forward. And you at least came out of the bye now and came out of this game saying, all right, so they're going to give Mixon the ball. I think he can be in my lineup. Uh, if you're, I don't know, if you are reeling at running back and you're having trouble making a deal, I think there's enough in the workload here to like throw out, you know, a low offer to try to get Mixon just in case they keep giving him the ball a lot going forward. I don't think he's headed for anything big, but if he can get, I don't know, 15 to 20 carries per game going forward, that could be valuable down the stretch. Yeah, I mean the guy. The guy's still really good. So like, if he's if he's going to get volume even on this crappy offense, I think he's he's going to be useful. Right, and maybe switching to the rookie quarterback is like the nudge that the coaching staff needed to actually lean on Joe Mixon a little bit more. Hopefully, on the other side, Mark Ingram scored a touchdown, but he only rushed nine times for thirty-four yards. I'm selling this guy pretty hard right now. He's he's got numbers. Numbers look pretty good overall, but he does not have the like lead back carry totals. And over the next three weeks, he's got Houston, the Rams and the Niners. So not great spots where the numbers could fall off. I'm selling pretty hard before they do. Yeah. So Ingram is sitting, he's 10th among running backs in non PPR points. He's 11th in PPR. If you can get, you know, that level of return for him, I would sell him. I do still think, you know, he's, he's a decent running back too the rest of the way. Um, you know, not, not getting huge rushing volume and not doing a whole lot in the passing game, but his rushing volume has been, you know, steady right around that like 14 to 15 carry per game range. He, he has sort of been living on touchdowns, but he's also near the top of the league and carries inside the five and carries inside the 10. So I think he's still a decent touchdown back going forward. So not, not a guy I'd be, you know, selling for whatever, but again, if you can get running back one value in return, I do think that, you know, Ingram isn't going to keep producing at that level. Yeah. When I say sell hard, I mean, I think he's somebody who's not going to produce the fantasy numbers the rest of the way that he is so far. I'm not just like yep. getting rid of him for whatever. But at this time, when you when you have to give something of value, I think he is somebody whose value, whose real value is not nearly as, as big as what the fantasy numbers indicate right now. Yep, agreed. Kareem Hunt made his debut for the Browns, carried four times for 30 yards, but saw nine targets, caught seven for 44 yards. Nick Chubb still managed 20 carries for four targets. What are you doing with Kareem Hunt going forward? This is this is one of the smartest, maybe the only smart thing the Browns coaching staff has done so far this season. They, they got Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt on the field together quite a bit in that game against the Bills. Chubb, Chubb ended up playing 81% of the snaps. Kareem Hunt was at 54% of the snaps. And Kareem Hunt was in the slot or out wide for 14 of his 38 snaps. You know, they were using him almost as a you know wide receiver running back hybrid in this game, which which Makes sense. I mean, Nick Chubb's been good on the ground. I think he should still remain the lead ball carrier, but there's definitely room for Kareem Hunt to play a role. So I, I think, I mean, it's it's one game. You don't want to put a ton of stock into it, but, you know, the target volume, that usage we just talked about, I think, you know, Hunt is someone that we can at least consider an option in PPR leagues as like a running back three or flex. Why isn't anybody doing this with Duke Johnson? <laughs> you're, you're asking me? <laughs> I don't have anybody else to ask. My cat's not answering yeah. me. <laughs> I know. I mean, the, Cleveland stopped doing it last year. Houston's not doing it, even though they lost Kenny Stills for a while. And apparently, Cutie forgot how to play football. Now they're playing DeAndre Carter. I mean, Duke Johnson did have numbers the last time he was out, but I, this, yeah. this seems like the thing that Kareem Hunt did in his very first game with the Browns 
seems like what Duke Johnson should have been doing for four years now. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, yeah, NFL coaches are just not, they're just not willing to do different stuff, unfortunately. And you know, the, uh, so I, I give the Browns kudos for using Hunt this way. Yeah. Congratulations, Browns. <laughs> Kareem Hunt, you know, it looks like a PPR option. The, the targets are obviously not going to stay that high, but you know, mm-hmm. the role is good for his prospects and they don't have much going beyond Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry. So there's room for Kareem Hunt to keep getting a useful number of targets. Right, exactly. And as we said going into this one, not especially worried about Nick Chubb. I could absolutely see Nick Chubb's role continuing to stay at the level where it was for this game. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we can't count on more than like two or three catches a game for Nick Chubb, which mm-hmm. isn't ideal. But again, you know, the guy the guy's been carrying basically 20, 20 plus times every game, so you can't complain. Ronald Jones, he's the starter now for the Bucks, but he carried exactly as many times as Peyton Barber and tallied fewer yards. So uh, what what are we taking away from his performance? Yeah, I mean, he came through in fantasy, not not how I think we expected him to. Um, you know, Jones still clearly led the backfield in snaps at 47%. Peyton Barber and Dario Gombali were both at 26%. Um, you know, you'd like to see a bigger rushing workload for Ronald Jones. He, he is, you know, he, his role in the passing game is, is increasing. And you know, we're not going to count on eight targets a game like he saw in that game against Arizona this past week. But he, his his pass routes have increased each of the last three weeks. You know, he was at 18%. That was a career high two weeks ago. And then he ran 24 pass routes in that game against the Cardinals, a, a new career high. So I think at least we can, you know, project like two to four catches per game going forward for Ronald Jones. The rushing stuff is still a bit tough to trust, but I do think you know he is still the, the best bet for carries and, and rushing production going forward in the backfield. Yeah, certainly the best bet in the backfield and somebody that you can use on a weekly basis. I would at least look into his price right now, given that you know right after um, – not not his, his, sale, his uh, sale price, given that mm-hmm. right after Bruce Arians said, okay, he's a starter now, we got the fantasy numbers overall, led by the eight catches and the rushing touchdown, but we did not really get – an impressive starter level performance. And I don't trust this offense to give Ronald Jones near that many targets going forward. I think that'll probably finish the year as his high in targets, receptions and receiving yards. And I mean, if he's splitting carries with Peyton Barber evenly in the first game after the coach says he's earned the right to be our starter, I'm not sure what to trust here. So I'm going to, I'm going to look at how much I can get for Ronald Jones this week. Yeah, I think if you consider him a running back three going forward, you're fine. Um, if you expect more than that, you know you're you're going to be in trouble some weeks. I think, and if you can get running back two value for him, I do agree he's a sell. Um, tough matchup this week against the Saints. After that, he has four you know kind of neutral matchups: Atlanta, Jacksonville, Indy, and Detroit. So again, I, I think he's going to be okay as like a running back three. But um, yeah, I, I agree. It's it's tough just to trust this running game in general right now. Mm-hmm. James Washington, speaking of trust, uh, six catches, 90 yards, and a touchdown on seven targets against the Rams. Is that a breakthrough for him, or are we going to forget about this pretty soon? Uh, I mean, it was his best game as a pro, not saying a whole lot. You know, he's only been league a year and a half now and hasn't done much in the regular season. Washington was still third among Steelers wide receivers in snaps and routes behind Juju Smith-Schuster and Deontay Johnson. Um, it was a 57% snap rate for James Washington in this one, so that that's not quite at a level where I think he's a trustable fantasy starter. I could definitely see him using this performance to, you know, to take on a bigger role going forward. So I think he's, he's worth monitoring. And if, you know, he can get up to like a 70 plus percent route rate, that would make him easier to trust. My, 
my biggest concern with Washington is just Mason Rudolph continues to struggle. He's not a guy I, you know, have faith in. It's you know, it's tough to even trust Juju Smith-Schuster at this point because of Mason Rudolph. So you know, that that's I think what is going to keep Washington from a true breakout. Yeah, I agree. If you're in like a 14 team league where Trey Quinn is still on somebody's roster, then sure, take a <laughs> shot on James Washington. But in in most cases, I'd say we just kind of cast this one to the side. Yeah, I'd say, again, I'd say watch it, but don't use them on Thursday night against Cleveland. Mm -hmm. Streaming defenses for Week 11. I mentioned the Colts previously. Uh, I still think that they're fine. You know, it's embarrassing to lose to Miami at this point, but the defense had three sacks, a fumble recovery, an interception. They only allowed 16 points and 239 total yards. So the defense remains solid. They've got Jacksonville coming to town this week. We'll see if Nick Foles makes things tougher, but I don't have any reason to believe that Nick Foles makes them an offense to avoid. Yep, I think the Colts are fine. They don't excite me, but I think, you know, they're not going to kill you. Um, I would check in to see if the Panthers were dropped in your league. You know, they had that road game against Green Bay, so they might have been dumped. Um, Carolina leads the league with 36 sacks right now. They're they're at home for Atlanta, who, have, you know, of course, won't have Devontae Freeman, probably won't have Austin Hooper. Atlanta's offensive line is still a concern, so I like Carolina. And then, you know, Cleveland, they, they've kind of let us down these last couple weeks now, but they're at home for Mason Rudolph on Thursday Night Football this week. And, th- and then I think more importantly, Cleveland's at home for Miami in week 12 so you could you know pick up cleveland and use them this weekend next you mean resurgent two and over the past two weeks miami i know they're showing some life right fitzpatrick oh yeah in week 12 i don't like the colts there um I, so i still think they're worth holding on to beyond that because i do like them against tennessee the following week and carolina at in indy in week 16 maybe against the bucks in week 14 we'll see about that so they're worth holding but i don't think i'll want them for week 12 and then others that I would consider, Oakland is um, home for the Jets, I believe. I think I wrote it down wrong. And Detroit is uh, home for Washington, I believe. Yeah, the Week 12 seems kind of tough for streaming Ds. Um, I think the Titans are worth a look. Um, you know, They're off this week, so they'll likely be available. They're, they're a top eight defense right now in most fantasy scoring systems. They're at home for Jacksonville in week 12 and the Broncos um, will be at Buffalo for week 12. That Denver's defense really has turned it on lately, um, giving up a little less than 16 points per game over their last five outings, averaging 3.8 sacks per game over that span. And, you know, you, you get a matchup against Josh Allen always gives you some upside. Mm-hmm. And let me correct myself. It is Oakland at the jets. It is Detroit at Washington. So I think that hurts their prospects a little bit. So we'll see heading into week 12. I do think there's some upside to both of those matchups, but I would like them better. Yeah, for, yeah, for, for sure. And I do agree with considering the Titans there. I like the Titans defense better than the other two I mentioned. And yeah, Broncos too, if they're available. Yep. That's going to do it for this edition of the podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com now for updates throughout the week on all the pertinent injuries, all the guys we talked about today, any others that pop up during the week. And of course, get ready for our usual set of weekly articles. That'll include our final buy-sell-hold report of the season. Might be a controversial one this time. We'll see. We've still got some negotiating to do on the back end before we have this article up on the site. You can also find us on Twitter. We are at DraftSharks. Jared is at SmolaDS. I am at ShaufDS. That's S-C-H-A-U-F. For Jared Smola and the rest of the DraftSharks crew, I'm Matt Schauf saying thanks so much for swimming with us. 